I've come across this clip that's scary, but easy to understand because it's relatable, but it really does well in highlighting the realities of being a teenager. Let's check it out. Okay, so this clip. When I saw it, I just thought it was worded so well. This man, who I'd done a small bit of research on, has written a few books on protecting children and fear and various different things. And in this particular clip, he explains things in a way that I just found really... I don't know how to explain it. It kind of just hits you and you cannot deny what he's saying. It is, it does make things feel a little bit scary, like the world is a scary place, but not that the world is a scary place. It's more so that being a teenager is such a vulnerable stage of your life that you are open to exploitation of those around you. That's what really strikes that struck me about it. Let me say that again. And I feel like it's so relatable because we were all teenagers once. So we know it. It's not... Um, it's not... Uh, it's not alien to us. We remember how it used to feel to be a teenager. In particular, when you start going... For through puberty, your body's changing, your hormones are changing, what you're focusing on is completely changing. I mean, you think about when you're 10 years old, the nature of you, and then when you get to like 13, 14, like everything, everything is changing. And you're, you're trying to find your circles, your paths, your areas of interest and you've all of a sudden become interested in sex and what that's all about and that's a mystery and it's, it feels like this crazy thing and it's nerve-wracking and it's you it's just it's just uh, uh, the world starts changing it's a phenomenal time right it's a phenomenal time but that leaves you open. That leaves you open to people that want to take advantage of that stage of your life. So, the clip. Let's get straight into it. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to play it from start to finish. It's three minutes long. I'm going to play it from start to finish and, and, and then we'll just go from there. Let's, let's, let's check it out. As you can see, we are joined by two teenagers, Grant and Ellie, who are going to help us talk about some of the strategies that uh, teenage boys use, that they learned from their fathers and their older brothers, and from movies and from television shows. And uh, so I'll, I'll come to them in a couple of minutes. I want to just begin with the more serious part, which is that uh, teenage girls are the most victimized element of our society. And there's a few reasons that's so. There was a survey of prison inmates a few years ago and they had committed the majority of their crimes, 
against uh, teenage girls. And we asked ourselves why, why is that the case? And it's because teenage girls offer less resistance than adult women do. They pose less risk to a predator. Uh, they're perceived as sexual objects and they are exploring the dynamics of that relationship with men. So they're getting into a use of their sexuality and exploring the very nature of how the relationships go with men. Teenage girls also mix a feeling of immortality with their budding sexuality, and they often see fearlessness as a uh, form of sophistication. Okay, I am going to stop it. I'm not going to play it from start to finish because I just want to say stuff. <laughs> I just want to say stuff because I love this angle that this this man is coming at this topic because he starts that video um, with talking about predators. I am really not sure about that term, by the way, labelling people with that term. I'm much rather criminal because I think predator kind of suggests that they are ab- uh, they're, they're like um, they're, they're, I was just about to say abhuman I don't think that's a word is it um, but like they're, they're not human and maybe people would like to say that they're not human if they perform if they carry out crimes of a sexual nature but I just think predator means it couldn't be the man around the corner it couldn't be the man in the family it couldn't be I just think it, it, it yeah I, th I hope I explain that um, kind of well but the point that I wanted to make before I went off track with that. He starts with talking about, I'm going to use the word criminal, and the criminal exploiting that young teenager. But then very cleverly, or very interestingly, he then starts talking about actually the vulnerable nature of somebody in their teenage years. Not that it's their fault for that, but that's how we can see and start to understand how the crime can be implemented on a teenager so easily, so easily because of their vulnerable nature at that stage of their life. I open this video with talking about teenagers in general, I meant all genders, um, but uh, he's talking about teenage girls in particular being uh, the most vulnerable um, people in, the, in that teenage stage. I like the way he talks. Um, and for anybody that's listening to this in podcast format, don't worry. Um, the video that I'm reviewing, it's the gentleman who's talking, um, he's talking to a crowd of people. So um, you're not missing out if you're only listening to this in your earphones through audio. Uh, but for those who are with us on YouTube, uh, you can see uh, this gentleman here. And I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to put his name in the show notes so that you can search him if you wish to do so. Let's continue. I'm not afraid to go to this party. I'm not afraid to get in this car with this person. And that feels like being an adult. And all of this coincides with the enhanced vulnerability that comes specifically because they're away from their parents. They're often taking their first job, uh, their first date, uh, their first drive alone in a car. And all of these things are happening at the same time. And then the big one, they are experimenting often with drugs and alcohol. And certainly uh, the boys in their environment are. And if I'm comparing drugs and alcohol, of course, both are drugs. 
and alcohol is by far the one that has the most sinister impact on our society. It's phenomenal, isn't it, when you think about young teenagers who are trying to find themselves, who are experimenting, who are very um, easily influenced, easily led, um, uh, playing around with their personality. And that is the age where the party, um, the partying um, uh, culture really exists Um it's overpowering in the teenage years. All you want to do is party. Well, that's what I was like anyway. And we add alcohol and drugs into the mixer. It's like, no wonder, no wonder terrible things are are happening at parties when it comes to crimes of a sexual nature. Another thing is we don't often think about teenagers sexually abusing other teenagers. Um, I have heard a statistic, which I'm not going to quote because I can't remember the exact numbers, but most of the crimes of a sexual nature are committed between in peer groups. It's not adults on children or adults on teenagers. It's mostly young people on young people. You think about how chaotic, like now you're an adult and you look down, you look, you look at that environment. Let's take um, a group of 16 year olds. Let's take a house party, for an example. Um, whatever teenager was brave enough to do it, their parents have gone on holiday and they've decided to throw a house party. And you get a load of 16 year olds with no adults around drugs and alcohol present it's like a recipe for disaster no doubt though a lot of fun for anybody that enjoyed their partying I certainly did lots of fun but also without the right guidance it's like um yeah you can see how that teenage that the nature of teenagers and that teenage stage of your life is so erratic let's continue Now, does this mean that teenage girls should uh, be wary of every single man they meet or should apply a kind of prove to me that you're not dangerous test to everybody? And I think the answer is no. For one thing, there is no way to prove that you're not dangerous other than to live a long life and not be dangerous to somebody. Men who are not dangerous don't have to prove anything. They simply act appropriately from the moment they meet you forevermore. And the strategies used by predators are specifically designed to gain someone's trust. And uh, so if you have a prove to me that you're not dangerous approach, the strategies are simply amped up and they might work just as well on you as they would if you didn't have that attitude. The reality is that the vast majority of people a young girl encounters have no sinister intent for her, will never do her harm, and she need not be concerned about them. But when she gets the signal, just as with women, then it's important to respond to the intuitive signal. However, it's happening at a time when she's concerned about popularity, She's concerned about being branded as a bitch. She's concerned about being branded as anything. And so men have a particularly strong advantage when it comes to teenage girls. Okay, that's the end of the clip. Let's talk about what he's mentioned there at the end of of that clip. About... And he uses... He uses the word men because he's referring to adults on on teenagers. But I just want to open open it up and any type of sexual interaction. Let's let's talk about that. Any type of sexual interaction when it comes to teenagers and um, teenagers interacting with adults. 
it's like he mentioned it there that you're so self-conscious conscious is have i said that right so self yeah i think so so self-conscious as a teenager you're so concerned with how other people are viewing you you're so concerned with your reputation if there ever was anything untoward um even if somebody sent you text messages that were uh, uns- you didn't even ask for let's take the common thing dick pics a girl doesn't want to um, go and tell their teacher or their parent about that boy that keeps messaging them naked pictures and they haven't asked for them because they don't want to be seen as a snitch or a grass. They don't want to be teased by that boy's friends. They don't want to um, become unpopular. They don't want to be blamed for anything. It's like, honestly, when you start thinking about it like this, your teenage stage of your life is like, you wouldn't want to go back there, would you? You you wouldn't want to go back there. <clears throat> Let me tell you about a story that I talk about quite often now in these presentations that I'm doing in schools, organisations, businesses, and 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 they're really going so well. And during the Q and A session, we 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 explore so many different topics, and this story often becomes relevant in our discussion. Let me tell you about it. So. I was on TikTok and I'm now I've now got a TikTok account. Um, my TikTok's doing really well, at, by the way. It's approaching twenty thousand uh, followers, and that's great because TikTok is generally the younger ages um, social media platform, their preferred one, and so I can reach young people that way, and it's going really well. So I spent some time going through TikTok, learning how the platform works, and by the way, it is. They have constructed that phenomenally, phenomenally well because it's hugely addictive and you can lose an hour in a second. Honestly, it's actually so, so good um, when it comes to keeping your attention. As I was going through my um, TikTok feed, TikTok showed me a woman who was extremely attractive and it must be showing me that because it knows I'm a 37-year-old male and I may be interested in that. And it caught my attention and I watched the whole video. Um, I can't remember what this woman was... um, Actually, no, sorry, it was a a live. It was a TikTok live. So that's one of their features. And this woman was on TikTok live. That's that's how it was. And so she's come on live. Uh, It's shown me the live. I'm like, whoa, she's hot. So I've watched for a little while longer um, and then I'm like oh I wonder what people are saying in the comment section so I click on the comment section and it is just blokes men being so like just hurling comments at this woman and basically treating her like a sexual object now she was um, uh, dressed very um in revealing clothing. So uh, those men, I'm pretty sure, would defend themselves and say she was asking for that type of attention. That's another conversation. So I read through the comments. I read through the comments. So I've spent three or four minutes now on uh, this woman's uh, TikTok live. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's enough. That's crazy, but that's enough. So I keep going down my TikTok feed. But now TikTok has seen that I 
am potentially interested in seeing more women like this. So now on my feed, it's throwing me women, women, women. And then it's throwing me all these women in live environments because it wants to try to grab me and see if I'm interested in more. And then I come across another TikTok live and this time it's two females. But this time these females look super young. They must have been no older than 15 years old. No joke. And that's allowed because I think TikTok Live is available on people's TikTok account as long as you've registered over 13 years old. And of course, you're just typing in a number when you register anyway, so that's no real way to police it. But but anyway, these two girls, I was like, oh my God, they're so young. One was in a crop top, so her um, stomach was showing, and the other one was in a jumper. And I was like, oh my goodness, I wonder what's in the comment section here. So I press the comment section, and I start going through, and it is just men. Men treating these two young girls like sexual objects, but saying things like, you're both hot, you're both sexy, you're both pretty, I wish I could see more of you, why don't you DM me, I'd love to take you out, why don't we meet? Now, for us adults, that's horrifying, of course, because we know what that all means, but to a 15-year-old girl, when their nature at 15 is, they desire compliments, they desire attention, they're seeking attention, in particular, on their looks, right? I mean, even us as adults, if somebody tells us we look great, you know, you meet somebody for 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 dinner or drinks or socializing or you go around their house and they're like, oh, by the way, you look great at the moment. I mean, that makes you feel good. We're human beings. But at 15 years old, that is like gold. Those kind of compliments are gold. So you're now on TikTok Live and you're just getting constant um, dopamine hits, right? And it's making you feel good. Now, really, really interesting. All the comments were mostly directed at the girl who had the crop top on, showing her stomach. People saying, that's a pretty top. Where did you buy that from? Would love to see you in something a bit more revealing. So she's getting all the attention now. And then I watched the girl in the jumper make look uncomfortable, but make some kind of it was blatantly an excuse. She goes, oh, it's so hot and stuffy in this room. I think I'm going to go and change. So she walks off camera, comes back onto camera, and now she's got a crop top on because she wants a bit of the attention. And you're like, oh, I don't know how to feel about that. I want to feel all emotions, sad, frustrated, angry at those men. But those girls are so innocent. If that that is such an innocent, such an innocent move by that girl. That is her human nature, right? I, I felt like the scene that I was the the scene that I was seeing unfold was just a pure tragedy. I really did. It was a tragedy of the online space. It was a tragedy of of the TikTok live feature. It really was. You know, and, and those two girls are on TikTok. Of course, there's no adult to be seen. And that highlights, um, that 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 um, makes the point that I often like to make of when a child is on their device, it's almost like they are 
in a world with no adult guidance. Well, actually, I would say that's facts. When a child is on their tablet, um, even let's take a really young child on YouTube Kids, let's take that example, and they're, they're, they've had enough of that video and they're scrolling through other videos, but there's adverts popping up everywhere. We don't know if they're age appropriate or not. Um, they're just scrolling through, they're picking another video, they're picking another video, they're seeing adverts, they're potentially getting a message. It's like they're in a world on their own. And these two girls were the same. It's so crazy to see how teenagers' vulnerability is being exploited um, online. And it almost feels like um, it's so overwhelming we have no control. Okay. This is where I want to take this from here. I'd like to watch the video again, make any more final comments. And um, I've got a couple of other bits that I want to say, and then we'll wrap up. Let's let's go with that. As you can see, we are joined by two teenagers, Grant and Ellie, who are going to help us talk about some of the strategies that uh, teenage boys use, that they learned from their fathers and their older brothers, and from movies and from television shows, and. Uh, so I'll, I'll come to them in a couple of minutes. I want to just begin with the more serious part, which is that uh, teenage girls are the most victimized element of our society. And there's a few reasons that's so. There was a survey of prison inmates a few years ago, and they had committed the majority of their crime, 75%, against uh, teenage girls. And we asked ourselves, why? Why is that the case? And it's because teenage girls offer less resistance than adult women do. They pose less risk to a predator. Uh, they're perceived as sexual objects, and they are exploring the dynamics of that relationship with men. So they're getting into a use of their sexuality and exploring the very nature of how the relationships go with men. Teenage girls also mix a feeling of immortality with their budding sexuality, and they often see fearlessness as a uh, form of sophistication. I'm not afraid to go to this party. I'm not afraid to get in this car with this person. And that feels like being an adult. And all of this coincides with the enhanced vulnerability that comes specifically because they're away from their parents. They're often taking their first job, uh, their first date, uh, their first drive alone in a car. And all of these things are happening at the same time. And then the big one, they are experimenting often with drugs and alcohol. And certainly uh, the boys in their environment are. And if I'm comparing drugs and alcohol, of course, both are drugs, and alcohol is by far the one that has the most sinister impact on our society. Now, does this mean that teenage girls should uh, be wary of every single man they meet or should apply a kind of prove to me that you're not dangerous test to everybody? And I think the answer is no. For one thing, there is no way to prove that you're not dangerous other than to live a long life and not be dangerous to somebody. Men who are not dangerous don't have to prove anything. They simply act appropriately from the moment they meet you forevermore. And the strategies used by predators are specifically designed to gain someone's trust. And uh, so if you have a prove to me that you're not dangerous approach, the strategies are simply amped up and they might work just as well on you as they would if you didn't have that attitude. The reality is that the vast majority of people a young girl encounters have no sinister intent for her, will never do her harm, and she need not be concerned about them. But when she gets the signal, just as with women, then it's important to respond to the intuitive signal 
However, it's happening at a time when she's concerned about popularity, she's concerned about being branded as a bitch, she's concerned about being branded as anything. And so men have a particularly strong advantage when it comes to teenage girls. Okay, I just think that's a great clip, you know. I really do think it's a great clip for so many different reasons. Now, to talk about, well, how do we uh, put a stop to this? How do we prevent the risk of anything untoward happening to a teenager, in particular in a sexual uh, interaction? How do we do all of that? Now, of course, we always talk about the education and open conversations with young people. No doubt about it, that's definitely important. But what this gentleman is talking about keeps bringing the point up that this is not certain personalities that are vulnerable in the teenager stage. It's not like um, the way you bring your child up makes them vulnerable in the teenager stage. It's like that is... That's human nature. That's more powerful than 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 anything we can control, right? That's like the nature of a human being at that stage of their life. You can educate to the high hills. You're not gonna pull that out of that teenager. You know, we're not gonna be able to make teenagers not feel that insecurity, not feel that pressure, not feel that. Um, desire to experiment, not feel that overconfidence like they know everything and adults are just born in the born in the stone ages and they know nothing. Like you, you're not going to pull that out of the child through education. But I'm not denying that education is definitely a a vital ingredient to help us reduce the chances of a crime of a sexual nature being had on a teenager. No doubt about it. But I believe, and the more I do this work, the more strongly I feel about this, that the education of young people and the amount of conversation that I see on that on the internet is is uh, uh, the easy is the easy conversation to have. It's 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 it's, it's the it's the easy thing to do to make us feel like we are doing good. We are we are addressing this catastrophe that we have on our hands. It, but it's not the big piece of the puzzle, is it? It's not the real preventable measure. It's not the thing we should be addressing first. Because... If we can stop the crime from happening at all, we wouldn't need to educate these children in the first place. We wouldn't need to waste their time talking about potential people that are out there to get them and exploit them. They should be in education, having conversations with those in their family about other things. Not that somebody's going to attack them. Not that somebody may rate them. Not that somebody may push them into something they don't feel comfortable with, even if they've said no. We we shouldn't be in a situation where we need to educate them on those things. I know that's not reality, right? I'm not, sh- I'm, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that, uh, uh, you know, there's, that, 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 that uh, nature doesn't always have its, 
dark side, right? But it's a good thing to aim for the crime never happening in the first place. It's a good thing to aim that we would live in a world where we never needed to educate children on these things. And how do we do that? And that's addressing the offender. That's addressing the person before they become an offender. And I'm not going to make this video about that. But I just want to state that. Because that's the big piece of the puzzle. Because if we could get people to stop committing the crime in the first place, if we could get people to stop giving in to the temptation that they've got in their head, if we could stop people from thinking that satisfying that desire is acceptable, then the crime wouldn't happen in the first place. And I just strongly believe in this the more I do this work but that's the more difficult conversation to have and that's why I believe it's not happening as frequently and when I say not happening as frequently I'm going to say in the four and a half years now that I've been doing this work for every thousand Instagram account accounts or every thousand charities that I have seen talking about education in children and victim support which I know is absolutely necessary there's one Instagram account and one charity talking about how to ensure an offender never reoffends and how to encourage people to not offend in the first place if they've got this desire in their head that is our priorities all mixed up, I believe. And that is something I want to continue trying my best to open the conversation on because I believe that is what is going to stop the crime from continuing to happen. Makes logical sense in my mind. Let's close it there. Thank you so much for listening to this or watching this on YouTube. We will keep evolving this conversation and making engaging, interactive content. Leave your comments in the, sec in the comments section for everything we've talked about. Be brave. Come into the public sphere. Open the discussion because your comment may inspire someone else's comment and may inspire someone else's thought. You may give someone something to think about after watching this video. Because I know it's difficult to put your comments in the comments section if you're watching on YouTube. Because it means you need to put yourself out there. But maybe you need to put yourself out there so that we can get this conversation started. Because I can't do this alone. It has to be a team effort. Thank you.